This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Why oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. There are 111 days until the NFL draft in Cleveland, Ohio, April 29, 2021. But zero days to wait for the DallasCowboys.com draft show as we are back second time this week. And it's twice the draft show all the way through until the NFL draft. Even some weeks we may have some more draft show for you, but it's double dipping from here on out due to the Cowboys losing their chances at a playoff berth. But Glad to be joined, as always, by Dane Brugler, Kevin Turner, and then, hey, how about this? We've got David Hellman back on the show after missing on Tuesday. That's the glory of this kind of week, Hellman, and, and, and kind of this scenario with what Derek has built with the draft show because we had Jeff Cavanaugh fill in on Tuesday, came in, do, did a great job with Bucky and Brian, and then now you get to come in and substitute for a day. So the, the talent is always there, and everyone's going to get a, a voice whenever it comes to these draft Yeah, prospects. it's kind of ironic because when we talked about this, you know, gigantic lineup, I was really, I was a little bit confused about how it was going to work, and here we are like one week into the offseason. I'm like, oh yeah, like, this is pretty great. We can mix and match as we need to because of everybody's schedules, so... It's cool to see y'all instead of Brian's old face for a change. <laughs> no, it's great. For the most part, we all get along. So that's, uh, you know, for the most part, we all kind of, you know, for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. Who are you referring to here, KT? I was saying, I, you know, so some of us could disagree on if you – sometimes you disagree on if you want to win games or not. Um, oh, boy. So, uh, but, I, but that's over, and we will never talk about it again. We hope. Because they will never miss the playoffs again after this year's draft. (laughs) Like your attitude. We're going to fix the draft that that much. We're going to fix this team that much. But, I mean, I like your way of thinking. And we're going to kind of get into maybe some second, third round guys today. We're going to talk about uh, the national championship game, of course, coming up. And uh, Heisman winner Devontae Smith, uh, first wide receiver to win the Heisman since 1991. But I want to kind of go into – how to fix this Cowboys team, K- KT. I mean, you, you kind of look it ahead a little bit. I mean, that loss to the Giants secured that number 10 overall pick, but it also showed a lot of the holes. It showed a lot of the issues with this Cowboys team, specifically in on the defensive side of the football, and, and it kind of compounded what was the 2020 season into one game. But Whenever you look at the, the first-round talent, we've kind of talked about the Farleys and the Sertans and, and all these different players that could potentially go in the first round. But if you look into day two, where is the majority of the talent? Is it at defensive tackle? Is it at linebacker? Where are we going to find somebody that's going to fix this defense, KT, that the Cowboys need desperately? Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who's pretty big on that this secondary needs to be rebuilt. Um, and the rebuild process might have already happened with you know, Trevon Diggs coming in, and you were lucky to get him at 51 last year. At least we felt he was, uh, or I felt he, they were lucky to get him at 51. Now, you mentioned DT and linebacker, and those are areas that I do want them to address, and I think they could use another, another defensive end as well. And I would have liked to have seen some more Bradley and I, you know, mm. uh, on the active uh, list on game day. But I am liking what you might have at cornerback there. Uh, if you look at the Cowboys are picking at 44, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that you could get – you could be double up at cornerback if you needed to. You know you already have Anthony Brown, who I think is a solid player. But, you know, I, I think I think the depth – you're going you're gonna to hit a spot where you, you feel like you're kind of dry. But is Eric Stokes from Georgia there at 44? Is Tyson Campbell from Georgia there at 44? Do you like them? Um, you know, there's some questions that are they're going to come up. How, how far – uh, do you feel like you need a slot guy and, and maybe uh, Elijah Molden from Washington, who to me has kind of a defensive Cole Beasley type junkyard uh, dog mentality. Uh, you know, Greg Newsom from, from Northwestern is a really good player. You know, if you want to double up at cornerback, I think you could do that. We've seen this team do that yeah. in the 2017 draft that I think we look back on and go, eh, what a great draft. But I, I think that's a possibility. 
And I'm more excited about taking two cornerbacks, I think, than I would be, you know, taking a linebacker in round two. Dan, what do you think about the, some of the names that KT just thrown threw out there? But also the fact that thinking about double dipping is is not something new. They even did it last year at corner with Reggie Robinson. I know they moved him to safety, but then you had Diggs in the second. But double dipping in days one and two is kind of what KT's alluding to here. Is that a possibility for the Cowboys with the talent that's on the table? Oh, absolutely. And the Cowboys have shown their hand in the past few years that, hey, I think they feel pretty good about finding corners on day two of the draft uh, with the returns with uh, Wuzier, um, you know, with uh, obviously Trevon Diggs, with he did as a rookie. Uh, I came out with my all-rookie team on The Athletic this week, and Trevon Diggs was my number one corner. Uh, despite missing a, missing a few games, he was, uh, I thought, even though, and there were some, some rough patches there, but he was the most consistent from start to finish. Um, and, and so I think if you're if you're the Cowboys, you feel pretty good about your uh, chances of finding a corner, whether that's uh, and KT set it up nicely with a lot of those names. Um, you know, if, I, I think maybe like a Tyson Campbell. I think there's a good chance he goes one because the traits are just so remarkable. But if you can find a guy like uh, an Asante Samuel, because he's going to get dinged because of the size. But just like his dad, the ball skills, the instincts, uh, the reaction quickness, he makes plays. And so if you're able to get an Asante Samuel in the second round, that, that's a heck of a find. Um, uh, you know, another name I, I would throw out there, Ifatu uh, Melifonwu from Syracuse, another guy. I know KT likes him too. Uh, yeah. All the traits are there. I mean, if you want traits, he's got them. 6'3", 215 pounds. He, he's twitchy. Uh, he moves well. I think he could play press. He could play zone. Uh, Melifon was kind of a name that isn't talked about a, a whole lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up somewhere on day two. You just you – oh, sorry, sorry. Dan, you broke my heart a little bit there because, like, we bring up – we bring up Tyson Campbell. This is the, I mean, we do this every year where I'm like, oh, okay, you're like, you're telling me Tyson Campbell might be in play at 44? Like, this, you know, 6'1", big cornerback from the SEC, like, sign me the hell up. And then you're like, no, yeah, he's, he's physically rare enough that he might not be available for you. Well, and, I mean, I don't know. Did any of us think Trevon Diggs was, was going to no, fall to 51? You know, so, you know, you never say never, but... Uh, you know, I, I think Campbell's got a better chance to be, you know, like an AJ Terrell, uh, you know, a guy that there's some some the tape's not perfect. I mean, he I wish he would play just a little more loose um, with with his play style, but the traits you just can't coach. You, you know, he's he's born uh, with a lot of those, and uh, so I, I think that there's a, a better chance he's going to end up somewhere in the first round. But yeah, you, you just never know, guys. Uh, with with those types of traits, you bet on, and if he were to fall to the second round, you jump all over that. Just as a oh, sorry, a, Kyle, go ahead. No, just go just it, as David. a general statement, I I like hearing this because, and obviously things are going to change, free agency is going to happen, but it's hard to ignore cornerback as this team's biggest trouble spot right now, just because they don't have any. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to Cheeto or Jordan Lewis. Um, and, you know, Reggie Robinson, first of all, was moved to safety and second of all, didn't play. So you don't even know what you have in him. And so they need bodies. And so it, it's at least encouraging to think that they can potentially double up or find guys, you know, with that second pick if they don't get one in the top 10 or even if they do. Um, I have a feeling that's going to change, but it's still nice to know. Well, if they're in the second round or day two looking at all these corners, and, and there are some good names there, I mean, outside of the Campbells and the Wades, I mean, there's the guys like the Eric Stokes and the Asante Samuel Jr. who may not be there in the second round, but are at least second-round conversation guys. Would that deter this team from potentially taking uh, a corner like a Sertan or a Farley in the top ten? I mean, because I, I know we're talking about double-dipping here, and if that's a possibility, sure, it's a possibility. But knowing that there's guys on the back end – does it make you feel better up in that first round, Dane? Because I, I know the defensive tackle talent isn't there for a top 10 pick. And same thing with maybe a linebacker outside of Micah Parsons. But it, it, does it deter a team away if you're wanting to go corner the fact that there might be some later on? Yeah, I think it's an interesting philosophical approach that um, you know, I think there's going to be differing opinions on because 
I, there's some logic to what you're saying. You know, if a position is stronger on day two, then why not go with a position that's still something that you could, that you need, and because you know there's a better chance, just odds that there are better odds there's going to be a player at that other position uh, later on. So uh, it makes sense. But I also think that with every round that goes, lowers your chances of hitting. And so I think it's important in the first round to hit. And that means drafting the best player on your board. Um, and, you know, it's that, that gets into the whole best player available conversation and all that. I, I, I just think when you have a top 10 pick, you need to draft who's going to make the biggest impact on your roster. And, you know, it, it, that might be a corner. That might be a tackle. Um, you know, it, it, it might be, you know, if we think about it, okay, let's say four quarterbacks do end up going top 10, which would only be the second time uh, since 1960 it's ever happened. But it's possible. That would mean you're getting this uh, theoretically the sixth best non-quarterback in this draft. That's pretty good. I mean, you feel pretty good about that. And so I, I think you have to, uh, you know, go after the best player. That might be a Caleb Farr. That might be Patrick Sertan. Uh, but if you think those guys are on the same tier as, say, uh, you know, a linebacker or uh, a pass rusher then maybe you do go uh, with one of those other positions and make sure you get your corner later. I will say this, though. I think pass rusher is also a very strong position. Uh, we don't have that top 10 guy that, or that, that locked top 10 guy this year. But in the mid-first round, in the second round, third round, there are some intriguing pass rushers uh, in this class. Yeah, and that's another thing about this roster. You know, uh, I think Randy Gregory has earned a starting job next year, but you know you just can't lock that in. And yeah. kind of the way I would think about this, if I was in a, working in an NFL front office, and God knows I'm not, but if I was, I'm more in the boat of let's just take the best player we can, we can and let's fill out this roster. But if I'm a team that has – I feel like I have a top ten offense and I feel like I have a top ten defense, that's where I'm comfortable road mapping the draft, which is what the Cowboys – have shown that they do a lot. And 2017 is the best example where they said, we are taking an edge player in the first round, ended up taking Taco. And then Cheeto and Jordan Lewis, we knew because they knew the depth of the draft that they were going to attack the secondary on day two. And I just don't know if that philosophy works as well when you've hit rock bottom like they did defensively this year. I think you just got to load up with the best players you can, you can pick. And I, I think... If you spend too much time thinking about what might be there on day two, then you could lose out on something on day one. And I would say the same thing about day three. Well, if I'm thinking too much about what might be there on, uh, in round four, you might miss something you know, that's right underneath you right there on, on day two. Which That's just my philosophy. I want to go, which I want to bring it back to kind of what Kyle led this off with. And, Dane, you know I love to put you on the spot. I'm here I'm in mid-January, and I'm going to ask you this, but like, but this is the this is the impression that I get just from like, you know, I'm I'm kind of getting like knee deep into this draft class now. Cornerback certainly seems like, and all right, for the purposes of this, we're talking about defense. Forget about Kyle Pitts. Forget about the offensive tackles. Like, we're just talking defense. Cornerback certainly okay. seems like one of a few positions where you have multiple guys that you feel good about in that top 10 spot. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a defensive tackle that you would want to pick there. You know, Micah Parsons, uh, maybe uh, the Notre Dame guy who, apologies, I'm blanking, uh, Owusu Koromora. Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. Okay, so that's three. Uh, I don't get the impression that there's a safety that you would feel good about drafting in that right. So, cornerback and linebacker and maybe edge although even edge like is there a guy that you would stand on the table for all the way up at 10 no i, I think maybe if they stick with a three four i mean aziz Ajalari is so intriguing mm. to me um like i think he's better than uh clavion chase on last year i think he's a better prospect um so that would be a guy that would I stand on the table for him at 10? Maybe not necessarily, you know, that emphatically, but I would definitely consider him. He would, he has to be in the conversation. One more name I think needs to be in there is Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. Yes. Uh, I was going to ask about him later in the show. I really like what yeah. he brings to the table. And not, I, I, I know the Cowboys like him. I, I know they like him in the first round. Do I, I don't know if they like him top 10. I don't know if they would consider him as high as 10. 
but I know that uh, they do really like him. And so uh, that that's a name I think we need to keep on the radar uh, as, as a guy that could potentially be that choice, uh, talking about in the first round. Dan, why was he so far off the radar that he's just now starting to kind of get some pub and get some recognition? Because I feel like early on, I never heard his name. I mean, whenever we were talking about some of these defensive prospects, but then all of a sudden... He's popped up, and I mean, of course, I watched his tape yesterday for the first time just because I was saying, who's this Xavier Collins guy people keep asking about? Well, I really liked what he brought, but why did it take so long for everybody to notice? Well, I mean, being playing at Tulsa is part of it, um, uh, you know, but he's, he, he's a guy that back in, you know, October was getting uh, first-round love from from around guys around the league. So, you know, it's it, it just more of, you know, people on the outside kind of catching up. Uh, but he, look, he's 6'3", 260. He moves so well for a guy that size. Um, and I think he might be a better fit for a 3-4 because uh, of just the versatility that he brings as a pass rusher. He could be a natural Sam. Um, but there's just so much to like about him as, as a versatile linebacker that can stay on the field and uh, just give you a lot. So, uh, you know, playing at Tulsa is part of it, but... Man, if you, if you want a guy with production, and he certainly had that, he provided impact play, it seems like, every single week, whether it was a pick six or you know a big tackle. He's covering on the outside. Uh, Zayvon Collins is, is a guy that a lot of teams like, and when you really boil it down and you start stacking these players on a board, you realize, okay, I like Zayvon Collins more than this guy. Okay, yeah, take Zayvon Collins over him. And all of a sudden, you realize he's closer to 10 than maybe we uh, thought a couple, a couple months ago. When they when they were there, watching Reg, well, real quick, when they were watching Reggie Robinson last year, they were going, "Wait, who's that guy?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my! Oh Former my God. high school quarterback. Okay, you know, playing linebacker. Okay, yeah. moves like that. Okay. Is there a chance he falls to forties? Is there a chance he falls to the forties? No, I'd, I'd be 20, very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I. I, I think he's a guy that could be in the mix uh, in the top 15. So it, it would wow. be a surprise, but, you know, it, it, you never know. Can, can we stay on Koromoa for a minute? Because we don't talk about him a lot. I think one frustrating mm-hmm. thing, uh, and, you know, t- you never want to rush these types of decisions, but I like I want decisions made about this defense immediately. Who is the D.C.? Are we changing the scheme? Yeah. What are we doing? Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't want to be like – like unfair, but like you need to make a decision on Jalen Smith soon. Yep. <laughs> like soon. Are you gonna make post June one cut him, and you have a nine million dollar cap hit spread out over four years, and that's around that area. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna post June one cut him? Are you bringing him back? I think you need to know. And Jermaine Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame is the type of guy who I don't think is going to suit every scheme. And I think some teams are going to go, I think I want to play him like maybe maybe Arizona utilizes, you know, Buda Baker. You know, I, I, and there are going to be some teams who say, you know what, he's my weak side linebacker. Um, you, you're going to need to know those types of things when you come to evaluating these players and how seriously you're going to take those guys. Because I love Koromoa's tape. And I just, you sit here and go, I don't know if this team would seriously take him or not. But that, I think he's that, a guy who needs to be considered as a top 15 pick in this draft. That is a wonderful point, KT. And, like, you know, going back all the years that we did this show when Rod Marinelli was the D.C., I used to always say, like, don't talk to me about these Swiss Army Knife players because that's not what Rod Marinelli does. Like, Rod Marinelli wants to put pegs into holes and, like, you're my end, you're my end, you're my safety, like, you didn't see those versatile guys who move all over the defense playing here. And obviously Rod's gone, but I don't feel like I have any better grasp of, of what Mike Nolan would do with that type of player. Like, I I couldn't tell you, which uh, maybe that's an embarrassing thing to admit. Like, I don't know what Mike Nolan does or, like, what he wants to do. Like, I, I don't have a good idea. Yeah. Of what that defense? What's the, yeah, what's the identity of that defense? I don't know, and we also don't even know if Mike Nolan's going to be the DC by the time they pick. So, yeah, it would be very nice to have some clarity about what their mission statement is for this defense, which hopefully we'll get that eventually. Yeah, consistency the highest- leads to identity, and there was no consistency. There was no. zero consistency yeah. throughout the season, and so we're all sitting here, like you said, Dave, with our hands up in the air, like, what? What are we doing? 
Where are we going from here? Because we don't know what the consistency is from a personnel standpoint. What are we doing in the cornerback spot? What are we doing from linebackers? I mean, KT, you brought up a fantastic point because we don't even know what scheme we're going to run. We don't know if it's going to be a 3-4 or 4-3. How are we going to pick efficiently if we don't know what that's going to be? You know what I think is important to remember? The highest paid player in Dallas Cowboys franchise history is Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is probably suited to be a 4-3. Should we build it around him? Now, I don't know how, how, how much longer is he going to be here, but he is your highest paid player in franchise history. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully that changes today. Hell, who knows? But, like, you know, I just I, – I, I wonder if you should go, you know what, let's, let's, let's make sure we've got our left defensive end into Marcus Lawrence. We've got Randy Gregory at right defensive end. We'll figure out what, what you know, we're going to do. We like, you know, Anai. We like Dorrance Armstrong. Maybe we can add another defensive end in this draft. I just think maybe that's the way to go than trying to do this whole thing that they talked about, multiple and fitting players into a scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that sounds so hypocritical after years of going, well, they're not going to get turnovers, and every team in the world knows what defense they're going to run. And I'm like, hey, man, Rod Marinelli, you want to come back? <laughs> that's insane. That's insane, I know. But – uh, build it around insane, tank. KT. That might be the best insane. thing to you're do. Getting, you're getting riled up. I, I, I love it, though. Let's go ahead and step aside and take our first break here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. When we come back, it's time for some Twitter on the 20. We'll answer your fan questions. we got a ton of them over the last week, so this yeah. will be a ton of fun. When we come back here on the draft show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. On to the second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Thanks for everybody tuning in coast to coast and around the world on DallasCowboys.com. Kyle Yeomans, Dane Brugler, Kevin Turner, David Hellman. And it's time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam is always doing fantastic work with the drops in the back. Now, Dave, I know in the first segment you told me to forget about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> well, I can't do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there because got a got a text from uh, or actually a, a DM from Preston Dabs today uh, early this morning, and I thought it was a fantastic question. He said, "For argument's sake, does Kyle Pitts get this team back to dominating in the red zone? Should they pick him at the tenth overall selection? Because we've talked about the athleticism." We've talked about how good of a player and how generational of a player he could be, but offensively, you're not looking for prospects. You want a defensive prospect there, ideally. However, 
Is that a need because of the struggles in the red zone, Dave? You know, it's a bummer because, uh, I mean, anybody that follows my work knows that I am I'm captain of the Blake Jarwin pain train. And I would have loved to have seen what the red zone offense looked like with him in the lineup because uh, I really I thought he could have been a high-volume guy down there. I do, obviously, I think a guy as athletic and awesome as Kyle Pitts would obviously help you. But I do, I wonder, and Dane, you can help me figure this out. I think Kyle, you know, Kyle Pitts, is, he's improved as a blocker. Like, he can do blocker things, but that's obviously not why you're drafting him. But the Cowboys, like, I don't want to get out of 11 personnel. I've got three great wide receivers. So, can, I mean, if Kyle Pitts is going to play here, it's going to be on the line, even if it's not to block. Like, you know, I, I don't know how much they're going to flex him out. And I wonder, would that be hampering his ability? Like, if the Cowboys played him that way, would he still be successful if he can't, you know, flex off the line? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd still be successful, but are you putting a cap on just how successful he could be? Probably, you know, because you want... Part of the appeal of Kyle Pitts is that he can line up uh, in line, detached, out wide. I mean, you're, you're looking to exploit weaknesses in the defense with what Kyle Pitts offers. And if you're lining him up in the same spot, down in, down out, uh, not creating any type of uh, mystery there for the defense about what you're doing with them, then uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of. I think you're putting a cap on just you know what what makes him so so unique and so rare. Uh, I mean, Pitts, it's a really fascinating conversation with him because he's one of the top five talents in this class. I feel confident saying that. But will he be a top five pick? Probably not. Will he be a top ten pick? Maybe not. It's hard to find, you know, the exact right landing spot for him because he's so different. He's so unique. A lot of teams aren't going to be necessarily on board with that. So, you know, the Cowboys, there's a good chance they could have a shot at him at ten. uh, you know, would they would they really do that? It would be it would be a pivot from what we have come to you know expect from this organization. So it would be a surprise, but I don't think you can completely rule it out. And to answer the question though, like what gets you back to dominating in the red zone? It's Dak Prescott. And I'll roll mm-hmm. my dice is that the red zone offense is going to be pretty good if Dak doesn't get hurt last year. That's just where I'm at. Well, one last thing on Kyle Pitts. If you want to figure out how to use him, just watch the Raiders' offense. Watch how Darren Waller is used, mm-hmm. and that's how you use Kyle Pitts. And you know, it's it's not that hard to you know. It, we shouldn't overthink it. Just watch how the Raiders use Darren Waller. Use Kyle Pitts the same way, and you got a pro bowler on your hands. I like that idea. I, I, I'm sold. Let's pick him at ten and figure out from there. No, I'm just kidding. That's not an official. I will say. I, I will say. And I'm Dane. Obviously, I think you're right. And I hope I'm not talking out of my butt here. But like the the Raiders, like John Gruden is famous for using, like he uses twelve personnel a lot. Like he is he is right. not an eleven personnel kind of guy. And that goes back to my point is. I would love it if they drafted Kyle Pitts. That would excite me. But at the same time, if if CD, Amari, and Michael Gallup are all on this team and you have a guy like Kyle Pitts and and you have Blake Jarwin coming off his ACL and Dalton Schultz had a nice season as well, that's a lot of mouths to feed for a team that likes to run 11 personnel. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it's something that would definitely concern me, but I would call it a good problem to have. And also a team that has a $90 million running back sitting in the mm. backfield, should he be on the roster in 2021 as well. So, I mean, there's multiple mouths to feed whenever it talks to the offense. We already had that conversation after C.D. Lamb was selected. We had already talked about it. And and if you're adding another man to the mix, that would potentially uh, be something that it, it would be tough for uh, an offense to, to deal with, even though you want as many talented guys as, as you potentially could on that, that squad. Okay, so Justin Warner ask what position in this year's draft has the best talent and best depth much like the wide receiver position last year Dane um I think wide receiver again uh is another one where uh it's and it's kind of funny how similar it is uh to last year where 
you know, last year we had kind of, we talked about the big three with Ruggs and Judy uh, and Lamb, and we weren't sure what order they were going to go in. Um, it's kind of similar this year with Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddell. You could make a case for any one of those three to be the first wide receiver off the board. And it doesn't stop there. Uh, I can't wait to see Chris Olave in the national championship game uh, going up against those Alabama corners. Uh, Kadarius Toney, anybody that watches uh, you know, SEC football and watches Florida, they know about Kadarius Toney, how special of an athlete he is. Um, you know, the wide receiver position is stacked once again. And then, you know, we talked about corner and edge rusher in the first segment. Both those positions are, you know, it's. This is not a great year to, you know, if you want that elite player at the top, but there's good value in, you know, the mid first, you know, kind of right where the Cowboys are going to be picking. There's good value in the second and the third at corner and edge rusher. So I, I think those three positions really stand out more than others. And then one other one I would say was tackle. Um, and, and that's a that's a good thing for a team like the Cowboys who could look at tackle in the first round, but they could also wait to the second or third round and get a developmental guy that they could realistically turn into a future starter. I think about past I think about past third round picks. When we've talked about, you know, Malik Collins or or Neville Gallimore, you know, I think there's a few defensive tackle names that might uh, be of interest for them at seventy five, but I still think you gotta think about what are you Doing defensively. What's the scheme? What's the scheme? Right. What is your? What are you doing? And I, I don't know. They, and I think they've proven, at least the people doing the drafting. And I know the head coach has changed. They've proven they're not going to invest heavy on a nose, and that could change. A nose or a one technique, a three hundred and twenty-five pound mauler. Like they, they're probably not going to do that. But another thing that they've also done over the past, and I think about Chaz Green, and I think of Connor McGregor, a third-round offensive tackle too. And that's, that's where I think the tackles are a position to keep an eye on at pick 75. Tackles on both sides of the football. Um, because you know, I, I think the more you look at these offensive tackles, like Dane said, you, you find guys who are probably going to be there just because you know, a lot of guys are going to get drafted tackle. But you can kind of see, okay, there might be a good third-round guy or you know, late second-round, third-round guy that, that I like. And, and I also think the defensive tackle, you know, they've, there's some guys – I like that you might have to go get at pick 44. Uh, Washington tackle uh, mm-hmm. Levi Onwuzurike. I want to make sure I get close to the mm-hmm. get his name right. Now, I like him more than – let's talk about some of the guys we were talking about last year who might be there at pick 51. We were talking about Justin Matabike from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Onwuzurike's name quite a bit more than that. Um, Jay Tufele of, of USC is a yep. powerful player who can – you know, he would play the one technique if you were running a 4-3 here. I mean, that would be his position. You know, maybe he slips into the third round, and, and maybe that's a guy who would be of interest. And I like the idea of that, but you just got to learn a little bit more about what the heck this team plans to do on defense next year. And I hope those decisions are being made. I hope they're having meetings right now and, and getting close to making decisions because – other teams are making these decisions, and they're going to be picking their defensive coordinators. They're going to be knowing what they're doing, and it's, the faster you get on it, I think, the better. I haven't been to that point yet. And Scott Fitz and uh, our guy Allen both asked about it. Was some of the names at defensive tackles. So, KT, I'm glad you kind of went through that a little bit. Now, Jason Davis asked on Twitter, and he said, "What quarterbacks later in the draft have the potential to be a future starter?" Now. I kind of want to preface this by saying, of course, this goes away from the Cowboys a little bit, but does it really? Because there's still an opportunity to draft a late-round quarterback, Dane. I know we, we talked about Ben DiNucci last year, but we saw what Ben DiNucci brought to the table in a tough situation against Philadelphia in Week 8. However, there's, I think, still a chance that you pick a quarterback. Is there anybody that sticks out to you that could potentially be a starter somewhere down the road? Uh, a guy that I really like, and it's hard to f- – figure out exactly where he's going to get drafted right now but davis mills from stanford who uh is a former five-star guy who just never quite lived up to it uh, at stanford but the traits are there and so give me the guy with the traits and let's try and figure him out and uh see what we have so um i don't know where he's going to be drafted it's probably somewhere on day three is my guess but all i know is i really like the raw talent and i would love to bring him into my uh, quarterback room and try and develop him. 
I, I just want to add in that quarterback is my least favorite position to watch. <laughs> so I really hope they get a deal done with Dak. And I would just like to just push back. I like doing quarterbacks last, if at all possible. Couldn't really do that this yeah. year uh, with the four guys and, the, and having a top ten pick. But, man, I really love doing quarterbacks in, in February and March and pushing it back as far as possible. So, sign Dak. It's yeah. the right thing to do. I just want to throw in, like, and, I mean, we, we, we're going to talk about every position at every level of the draft. But, like, kind of an unfair question, isn't it? Like, how many... A little bit. How many starting quarterbacks in the NFL were found outside the top 35? It's like it's like Dak, know. Russell Wilson, and Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew's not even the long-term answer. So, I don't... Yeah. And Tom Brady, obviously. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, only, the, only the best yeah, of that, all time. That guy's You're right. My bad. Yeah, that was um, okay, I guess. I, so, I, I mean... So, no, you, you are right. You are right. It, it is rare to if find... Teams, uh, if teams knew these guys were we're going to be that caliber. They wouldn't last to the point that they do. I will say, I just, I feel it in my bones. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter starter. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be somebody's franchise quarterback, but Ian Book just strikes me as the type of guy who's going to kick around the NFL for a long time as like a, a backup, like a Mason Rudolph type that's like, maybe you're not excited if he ever has to start for you, but he'll be somebody's backup for a long time. He just strikes me as that kind of guy. I feel that way about Sam Ellinger. Oh, Texas. see, I don't I, I, I don't feel, feel that, that way about way. Ellinger at all. I'm not convinced he can play see, quarterback at, at the next level. See, I think he could. Well, and the fun thing about this is, is both of those guys are going to be at the Senior Bowl. There's six accepted quarterback invites at the Senior Bowl. Felipe Franks from Arkansas, Ian Book from Notre Dame, Sam Ellinger from Texas, Texas A&M's Kellen Mond, who I'm excited to kind of scout a little bit more up close. Jamie Newman, who was a Georgia transfer to Wake Forest, and he opted out of the 2020 season. And then Kyle Trask, who, of course, was a Heisman finalist. Those are the six quarterbacks. Real quick, Dane, what do you you think about Trask? Because I thought it was crazy that people were trying to peg him as a first-round pick. I know, oh, yeah. I know, he had a great season, yeah. but like, I never, even before Florida started losing, I never thought he was like a Heisman caliber quarterback. But if you draft him in the third or I don't know, maybe the fourth round, like you probably feel pretty good about that, right? Uh, he is a Mason Rudolph clone to go. me. Um, <laughs> I, I think he is. He is Mason Rudolph. He, he is a a sturdy, well built passer who has a good arm, not an elite arm, a good arm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of th- his average mobility is, is something I really worry about. Um, you know, his his accuracy is okay, but it can't be described as pinpoint. The uh, the you know, if he doesn't use proper mechanics, his ball just loses life and just drags. So I, I think Kyle Trask is a a well built, a smart, <clears throat> tough competitor. Uh, he has natural touch as a passer, but the inconsistent mechanics, the below average mobility. That just puts a cap on uh, his ceiling as an NFL passer. So I see a Mason Rudolph, and that's meant to be both a good and bad thing. So, <laughs> so now we've yeah. got a we out of everything we've talked about today, we do know for certain we're fifty percent chance at, from the Senior Bowl quarterbacks of finding Mason Rudolph. Thank goodness we've got three guys that could potentially get to that point and find a Mason Rudolph now. Uh, KT, I've got a question for you. This comes from J.R. Young, and he asks. Uh, what is the number one position of need for the Cowboys? And I know you kind of talked about the run defense and we talked about corner and stuff, but if you had to pinpoint it, number one on the board, which would it be for the Cowboys going into this offseason? I, I just I think you have to cover. You have to cover. So cornerback would be where I'm at. Um, and I, if Anthony Brown can be my cornerback four next year, I'm happy. That's what I want, you know. So cornerback – I know people have been, you know, wanting safety forever. I want to add to safety as well, um, but you know, I think I think defensive tackle. You look at yourself and you go, is Tristan Hill as a starting defensive tackle for me next year? And then who? Antoine Woods. We do that again. Yeah. Great guy. Want him on my roster? Do I want my starters to be Antoine Woods and and Tristan Hill? You know, in a free agency, maybe there's talk of uh, maybe they bring back Gerald McCoy if they can. But a defensive tackle is a problem. This team has shown they can't stop the run. Um, that it's, it's quarterback and defensive tackle for me, and it's it's very clear. And you know what? 
I'll put linebacker at three there if they do what they probably mm. should do post June 1, cut Jalen Smith, and kind of start over there as well, building block, uh, being a building block around uh, uh, Leighton Vanderesh. So, cornerback and DT, man. I like it. I think that's uh, that's where the Cowboys need to start. Dave, do you agree? I definitely. I, I mean, I think it's cornerback, and then you fill in the rest however you want, honestly. And and that I mean, again, this conversation will change because even though the Cowboys don't love to spend in free agency, they're still. I mean, they're gonna. You know, they add free agents every year. They will this year too. Um, I I don't feel like I'm in love with my options at safety. Maybe I just haven't dug into that position enough yet, but. This they you know they need at least one starting caliber cornerback out of this draft class in my opinion which is like I mean if I had to guess right now I just think it makes way too much sense for that number ten overall pick to be one of those cornerbacks. Um, so yeah no I agree and then I mean you can fill in the rest however you want I I agree with everything KT said. It just depends on how they want to play it. Like will Jalen Smith be part of their plans? I have no idea. Um, yeah, is it? Is it crazy on my side to think that defensive tackle is more of a specific need? I'm not saying draft one at 10. I think corner has to be the pick at 10 or at least somebody that, that's going to be a starter game changer type of talent. And I don't think there's a defensive tackle at 10 that could do that. But just in the fact of the run game, I mean, the corners weren't the fact that you couldn't stop the run. It was your defensive tackles and yeah. it was your linebackers. So for some reason, I, I put the in terms of needs and just based on – the Cowboys, not not even looking at the draft class, I would put defensive tackle just slightly above corner because I think, like KT said earlier, you feel good about Trayvon Diggs. You feel good about Anthony Brown being a guy that you could bring back and be a starter. But is it crazy for me to put defensive tackle in front of corner even though I know corner's probably the, the more likely and, and more logical first-round pick? I don't think that's, I don't think it's crazy. Oh. I think the answer to the, the, the answer to the question is defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I think I could make a really strong argument for every single position on defense. I I, I mean I I think that it, there is not a clear cut answer here. I mean I, I I agree with you. You could make a case that it's defensive tackle, but I think I could also make a, a really strong case as linebacker. And true. you know it, it there's there's so many, and that's why I don't think you know, you know fans should be too upset about which direction they go here because they need help everywhere, and it's not just a plug and play and okay now we're going to be a top 10 defense they need help everywhere and maybe free agency will kind of tip their hand a little bit i like it i mean we're going to fix this team by the time we're done with this uh this draft show we're going to find a way to to win some games with the defense by the time we're done we're going to we're going to set the roadmap for the front office to get the job done in april but when we come back the roadmap in terms of the college football season comes to a close coming up this week as the national championship between alabama and ohio state is on the docket we're going to preview the draft prospects in that game and maybe have some question marks about these bowl games when we return here on the dallascowboys.com draft show we're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more, do more, Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans, Dane Brugler, David Hellman, and we've got Kevin KT Turner rocking it from the uh, the studios. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the, the, the studios in which you're at, but it's your office. Yeah. And it looks really nice. I like it back there. iHeartRadio. I'll say it anyways. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, the iHeartRadio studios. Now, uh, we do have a championship game to preview, gentlemen, and, and I think this is exciting, one, because I think it's going to be a pretty darn good game, and secondly, there are a lot of draft prospects that people are going to get a first-hand opportunity to watch and do it up against great competition, and, and if we look back, let's just look at last year, specifically with LSU and Clemson. I know that's good memories for our friend Mr. David Hellman over here because of LSU's season here in 2020, not to bring bad memories into the fray here. But, you, you know, there were, what, there was like 21 drafted players or something? It was like a crazy number of drafted players. A lot of them some legitimate players in this uh, upcoming championship game that the Cowboys could find a way to do uh, later on, Dane. Yeah, here, let me, Dave, let me ask you a question. How many, over the last five years, how many draft picks do you think Alabama and Ohio State have combined to produce? What would be your guess? Oh, my guess? God. Just total? Just throw, total? Yeah, a lot. Between, between just those two programs, the last five years, what, what would you guess? Uh, so they're probably averaging like six per program, averaging. Um, between So six per program over five years. So, and av- so, I mean, probably about 65 if I had to guess. You're saying Nine? first rounders? No, no, just total draft picks. Uh, 100, 110. 93. Wow. Holy crap! So, oh my well, gosh! I sold the hell out of that. Okay. It well, it, it's by far the mo- the two most uh, or the two programs that have produced the most. LSU, uh, by the way, number three. Um, so it, it's look, it, it's going to be the same uh, on Monday night. It, it's going to be you know we don't know what the draft process is going to look like. So for a lot of these guys, the combine it starts Monday night. You know, it, it's time to show you know, what what's going to you know, and all NFL eyes are going to be glued on this game. Um, you know, for say Chris Olave, you know, how are you going to match up against Patrick Sertan or Josh Job? Uh, if you're Wyatt Davis or Josh Myers, Ohio State uh, right guard and center, how are you going to match up against Christian Barmore? And Christian Barmore is a chance to really help himself in this game. We've seen it in the past from these Alabama defensive tackles, uh, Marcel Darius, Deron Payne. These guys have emerged from the playoffs as uh, legit top. Uh, 15 type of uh, you know we knew they were talented but they really emerged as uh, top half of round one guys Christian Barmore could do the same thing this draft is just uh, dying for a defensive tackle to say hey take me in the top 20 Barmore could be that guy this year uh, with another strong performance he's really heating up so I mean we could go on and on about all the players in this game because uh, it's just it's never-ending for me, though, Justin Fields, I cannot wait to see how he performs after what he did against Clemson, the best game of his life. Uh, and it just it was so contrary to what we've seen earlier this year. Uh, you know, when he faced uh, tough defenses during the regular season, whether it was Indiana, Northwestern, even Michigan State gave him a little bit of uh, trouble. He, he struggled a little bit in those games, but against Clemson, he was locked in. He was precise. The toughness, I, there, I don't know if I could use any words to really uh, you know, describe how tough he was in that game. How is he going to match up against an Alabama defense that is better than Clemson's? And knowing that, you know, with all due respect to the Ohio State secondary, 
Alabama is going to put up points. And so it's going to be up to Justin Fields and that offense to continue to tack on and match point for point. For point. The over-under is crazy on this game. It's like, what, in the mid-70s? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're expecting a lot of points, and I don't, I don't think they're wrong. I mean, it's like a, uh, it, it's a, like a Big 12 uh, type of line for the national title game against Alabama and Ohio State, which is just crazy. But uh, there, there's no shortage of players in this, dra- in this, uh, in this game that scouts will be glued, uh, glued on. And I, I think Justin Fields, uh, you know, he's kind of leading that. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, Trey Sermon, with what he's done at running back the last few games, has been remarkable. Former Oklahoma transfer, uh, you know, on the Alabama side. Uh, you know, really uh, eager to see what, uh, you know, on the offensive line, Leatherwood and Deontay Brown, what can they do? Uh, do uh, Sean Wade, can he do anything? Uh, Ohio State corner, can he do anything to kind of uh, keep his head above water as an outside corner against Devontae Smith and maybe Jalen Waddle? We'll see if he plays. So, you know, we can go on and on. There are just so many future NFL players uh, on, the sta- on this big stage that NFL teams are going to be really, really interested to watch and see how they perform. Because let's be honest, uh, body of work matters. But if you give an NFL scout truth serum, they'll tell you how they perform on the big stage. That carries a little bit more weight. And so uh, it's really going to be important for these players to step up and, and show out when it matters the most. I, and we talked, or you mentioned a second ago about Jalen Waddle and how he could potentially come back. The wide receiver from Alabama could play this week. And uh, what would that do for his draft shot, stra- excuse me, draft stock and Devontae Smith's draft stock? Because, I mean, Devontae Smith, whenever he's the featured piece, he, of course, went off and won a Heisman. But, I mean, some would argue that Jalen Waddle was the more impressive player, at least from an NFL prospect level early on. Is that something that potentially could see shift a little bit depending on how Waddle plays in the championship game? I, I don't I'd be surprised just because if Waddle can even play, I think he'll be on a pitch count. You know, we might only see him play 10, 15 snaps. So, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily anything he can do in this game that's going to change your opinion based off of what we already know right now. I, I think it just really comes down to what you're looking for at the receiver position. If you know, Devontae Smith, he's, you know, obviously extremely talented, but if you have concerns about that body holding up, that's, you know, nothing Jalen Waddle uh, can do is going to kind of change that or alter that. Uh, with Jalen Waddle, he's not as polished as, uh, as Devontae Smith, but I think he's a little more polished than, say, Henry Ruggs last year, who was the first receiver drafted. So uh, both these guys are studs and I, I think are going to be future top 12 picks. You can, can uh, think of one thing that I'm really excited to watch, and, and then you mentioned his name a minute ago, but I feel like we haven't talked about him much. And part of it is because he hasn't declared. But Job, the cornerback from Alabama, mm-hmm. on the other side of Sertan, like a big game, maybe he's like, okay, well, now I can just go ahead and declare. Because, I, I mean, when I watched him on tape, he is definitely a top 10 corner for me if he's going to be in the draft. Uh, what are your thoughts on Job? And He's number 28, by the way, for those watching the game on Monday night. Uh, what are your thoughts on Job? Well, yeah, he's big. He's physical. I, he's not the type of athlete where he's just going to be able to quickly recover uh, You know, if he's caught out of position. He's not that twitchy athlete, but he's big and he's physical, and he does a really nice job being disruptive. Um, and so I... I, you know, it's tough because when you stack these corners, uh, you know, Joe, yeah, he's right there in that mix. But, you know, he's he's on the same in the same tier as, say, like an Elijah Molden or uh, maybe a Greg Newsome or a Melifonwu. Uh, so, yeah, this is a chance because we know that Ohio State, you know, Chris Olave, uh, I, I think he has a, there's a lot to gain for him. And but it doesn't stop there. They've got Garrett Wilson and a few other guys. So uh, if Ohio State says we're just not going to throw at Sertan, we're going to throw at Josh Job. okay, well, that's going to be interesting to see if it's Olave or if it's uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, he's going to be tested. And so this is definitely a game that you know, will affect uh, where he is ultimately drafted if he decides to come out. I just want to throw I, Dane. Dane mentioned him, but like um, Christian Barmore jumped off the screen mm-hmm. in the semifinal. And, and when you think – you know, the caliber of offensive linemen that Notre Dame puts out, like, that means something to me for sure. So uh, he 
he's definitely on my radar. And, you know, we Dane set it up perfectly. Like, you know, there's not a Derek Brown or a Javon Kinlaw in this class. So if Christian Barmore can jump out and, you know, I would love it if he's there at 44, but maybe he can even play better than that and, and go in the first round. And then, I mean... I love I love a good trash talk and Sean Wade put himself on the radar this morning because he said he wants all he wants all of Devonte Smith and with all due res- no, I was gonna say with with all due respect <laughs> to him I think he's living on his school's reputation a little bit more than his actual production yeah. so uh, be careful what you wish for buddy uh, yeah I don't give I don't give him credit for uh, the confidence you know I mean that's as a corner, you got to play confident. You got to be True. confident, even when the season has not gone well. And there's been more negative than positive from Sean Wade this year. But I mean, they, Ohio State needs him to step up, and you know, maybe he'll surprise us all. We'll see. That would be interesting. But you you talk about potentially having so many points in the over under at seventy four and a half. And I mean, there's so many different. Uh, offensive talented players but does that scare you a little bit on these defensive guys i mean on both sides on alabama side and on ohio state side the fact that there is going to be a ton of points you are going to see both of these offense have at least some sort of success uh, is that just a, a show that these offensive prospects are a little bit better than maybe the defensive ones yeah, I mean, that and that's just where the game is at. I mean, we, we've sure. s- seen more points scored this year in the NFL uh, than ever before. You know, it's just it's just going to be the trend. So, you know, I, it, it will be interesting, though, because Alabama, we, we've seen Alabama's defense, uh, you know, see what Florida did against them in the SEC title game. Uh, go back to the old Miss game, and they put up a ton of points against this Alabama defense. Uh, there's, there's, there's certainly talent, but it's not maybe the Alabama defense that uh, we've seen over the years that Nick Saban has put together. It doesn't mean they're without talent. They, they have the talent, but as a unit, uh, there, there are some question marks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really eager. To, and you know, going back to Christian Barmore, um, he's only a Richard sophomore, so he's still very young. He, he's only, he only has like four starts this year, but he leads the team in sacks with seven. He leads the team in forced fumbles with three. He's heating up at the right moment, and he's going up against maybe the top two interior offensive linemen in this draft with Wyatt Davis at right guard and Josh Myers at center. And so that's going to be a really interesting part of this because part of, you know, Justin Fields understandably uh, got all the headlines after that Ohio State-Clemson game, but Ohio State won the trenches, and that was really kind of the difference in that game on both sides of the ball. Their their, uh, defensive line tore up uh, that Clemson offensive line and they won't be able to necessarily do that to Alabama's offensive line especially or even with Landon Dickerson out their center who's outstanding um, you know they'll be missing him but even with him out it still won't be that way and then on the other side that Alabama defense that front seven they'll give uh, Ohio State's offensive line a little more trouble than Clemson did yeah Barmore's tape the second half of his tape of this year um, is a Whataburger the first half of this season, Barmore's tape is your friend who can't cook's uh, burger from the grill. So, like, you know, it's first round tape on the back half. Dana, I do want to want you to talk about two guys. Alabama mm-hmm. and Ohio State have two guys at linebacker, and that's a position we might be needing here. Dylan Moses, yep. who had first round ceiling last year and then blew out his knee and hasn't looked the same. And then Browning from Ohio State. You know, those are two guys Cowboys fans got to keep an eye on Monday night. Definitely, definitely, and I would probably I would even throw Pete Warner in there, Ohio State linebacker, because he's just he's so dang versatile that you know you can you can use him in so many different ways. He can um, uh, you know play any of the linebacker positions. The coaches have said because he's he's so smart and he's so athletic that they can pile as much as they want on his tape or on his plate, and that shows on tape. So uh, Pete Warner, I think, is in that discussion as well. But yeah, Barrett Browning, he's got all the traits. He always has Texas kid. Uh, who former five star? What's that? Fort Worth kid. He went to Canada. Yep, exactly. And so he's always had the talent. It's just kind of the mental part catching up, and he still needs to anticipate a little bit better. But he uh, has gotten better and better every year. He can play man coverage. So watching him going up against Najee Harris, who we know is an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield, that will be an awesome matchup to watch. Uh, and then you know with Dylan Moses, you know he uh, as a as a, what a sophomore, he looked like a future top ten pick, explosive athlete, 
uh, just kept making plays. Then he had the knee injury, and this year he just has not looked the same, like KT said. And you know whether it's uh, him struggling to hold or to hang with Kyle Pitts, which you know nobody really can, or if he's just you know taking wrong angles to the football. He is uh, still in that top 50 discussion, but he just doesn't look like the same player. And so going up against Trey Sermon, who, I mean, Trey Sermon, who is putting together one of the best uh, three, four-game stretches we've seen at running back uh, in a long time. And he's averaging 9.1 yards per carry the last three games. What can he do against Dylan Moses and that Alabama uh, defensive front? That'll be another major storyline, not only for the outcome of this game, but also uh, for NFL scouts. So there's your homework assignment, ladies and gentlemen, is watch these linebackers in the national championship game. Number 32, Dylan Moses for Alabama, and then Baron Browning, number five, the linebacker for Ohio State, who, like we said a moment ago, I also like his size going up against Najee Harris, Dan, because, I mean, 6'3", 240, he looks the part of a bruiser linebacker. He's long, too. Yeah, he is. He's got some long arms, and I, I think he's got somebody, or he is somebody that could slow down Najee Harris and his size. I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup. But that's going to do it for us here on the Draft Show today. We will be back on Tuesday as Dave Hellman will rejoin Brian Broaddus and Bucky Brooks for that show, and then KT and Dane will be back with Jeff Cavanaugh on Thursday pending changes uh, last minute like we had this week. But we'll, we'll switch it around, and we'll have – some of the best draft coverage you can find on the internet uh, whenever it comes to the 2021 class. But for Dane Brugler, for David Hellman, for KT, and for Chris Beam back in the studios, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for joining us here on The Draft Show.